I know my why, I aim for growth, and I take ownership over my journey. If I am truly committed to growth, and if everything I do is through that lens and that filter, I can look back and maybe in the moment it's a little bit dirty, and I can be grateful for what I've experienced because it shaped me to who I am today. And I can look at the struggles that I've had as a teenager, the struggles that I've had as a young man, the struggles that I have now as a dad and as a husband, as a friend, as a mentor, as a leader. I can look at all these struggles as a tool that says, hey, I'm going through this and someone else doesn't have to because I can then speak into their life and just share a little perspective. And hopefully in some way I can inspire them. It's easy for me to say in reverse hindsight 2020 that, yeah, it's all good, but it wasn't good in the time. I'm not gonna lie to you. There's lots of ups and downs, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. Looking back, I can also see there was a purpose here. There's a greater calling here. And if I truly believe that, I can't be bitter. I can't be disappointed in what I've experienced. Gentlemen, what is going on, guys? Welcome back this week to another amazing, very exciting episode of The Supreme Life. As always, guys, I am your host, Frank Rich. Before we dive into today's guest and conversation, let me just take a moment and let you know how incredibly grateful and thankful we're to have you here with us today. Guys, if this is your first time joining us here at The Supreme Life, welcome. We are the only podcast in the world that is dedicating to helping men level up in those five key areas of his life. Yes, we're talking about his faith, his fitness, his finances, his family, and ultimately his freedom. So you could break through from mediocrity and go on to live the life that you were born and created to live. And joining me on the show today is an incredible man. Uh, somebody I've been connected with, we share a lot of mutual friends, mentors. Uh, we just are part of a, a lot of the same network and masterminding groups. And I've been familiar with the guest for a long time and I've kind of had my eye on some of his work. And recently with some of the things that he's doing and talking about and the launching of a new podcast and mastermind movement, I said, I got to bring this gentleman on the show. Uh, guys, you know, we're all about raising up strong fathers here. We're all about uh, injecting values. Uh, we're all about injecting tools, uh, whether those are self-leadership tools, whether those are fitness leadership tools, financial leadership tools, into the hands of today's fathers, tomorrow's fathers as well. Because you have to be living under a rock to, to not know that there is a crisis, uh, both of absentee fathers, uh, not in the home, but even fathers within the home that are just not present. Uh, so this is a reoccurring conversation. We've had a lot here recently on the show, and I'm so grateful to have joining me on the podcast today, none other than Cam Hall. Cam Hall is the founder and owner of Fight the Dad Bod and is also the host of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast and the founder and facilitator of the Dad's Making a Difference mastermind. Now, Cam holds over 15 years of experience as an educational leader, business developer, consultant, and coach. And he has discovered that putting an emphasis on cultivating healthy relationships, clear communication, and strong leadership is necessary for working collaboratively toward a common goal building your team, building your family, scaling your business, or creating an environment to raise a loving and healthy family. And in this conversation, we talk about what is a dad bod? You know, it's a conversation I've had here many, many times on some people support it, other people don't. Why, what do we overcome it? How do we change our fitness? How do we change our habits? How do we sleep? How do we recover? But we never actually defined what a dad bod is and I love Cam's approach because a dad bod is so much more than just the physicality, right? Uh, so we start off there and then we get into a little bit of Cam's story. What led him to being so passionate as somebody that had a background in education, it was working in the schooling system. Why did he want to branch out and start leading and coaching fathers and men? Uh, we talk about the five pillars uh, that he has brought into his coaching and his work. We talk about the importance of knowing your why having a name for growth, and taking ownership in every single area of your life. Cram is an incredible man, an amazing father, and I'm so grateful to share him with you today. Before we dive into the conversation, guys, let me just take a moment here and thank you for joining us. If you're getting value out of these conversations, guys, you can do us tremendous support by hitting pause right now or waiting till the end of the conversation and dropping us that five-star rating and written review whether you're listening there on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're consuming these shows, guys, take a moment, give back, because that will tell the platforms, that will tell the algorithm that this show is valuable and will help us get in front of 
more people, guys. But we're so grateful for every single one of you. Without further ado, guys, let's get into today's conversation on making a difference against the dad bod mindset with Cam Hall. We'll see you on the other side. Cam, my brother, welcome to the Superhuman Life. Man, Frank, thanks for having me, brother. I am jacked up to be here right now. You know, when you reached out, I was like, this is a no-brainer. You know, what you've done, what the way you're impacting the lives of men and the struggle with pornography and the work that you've done out there in this space that's really made such a positive impact and influence in the lives of others, man, I am honored to be here. It truly is a pleasure. Well, I appreciate that, brother. And obviously, you know, I think the work that you're doing as well, uh, both with Fight the Dad Bod and with Dad's Making a Difference, hits home as well. You know, um, obviously our audience being men, we have a good bit of those that are already fathers and those that aren't just like myself dream to have that into our life one day as well. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into you, everything that you've been doing and, and I'm jacked up as well. It may be a carryover from that pre-workout that I had a couple hours ago. Um, so if I'm a little amped up and ready, that's, 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 that's why we're bringing the fire here today. Excellent. Yeah. So dad bods, man, it's, it's, it's a polarizing topic, right? You know, it's like kind of depending on where you fall on, you know, the side of, you know, right, left, whatever, you know, it's kind of just seems like people are going to kind of get maybe angry or upset or they're going to be in full support of it. And it is a conversation we've addressed here a handful of times, never specifically with somebody that's got a company and a coaching business that's called fight the dad bod. So I think where I'd love to start here today, Cam, is what is a dad bod? Like, how do we define this? Yeah, and uh, in your opinion, why is it something you think we need to be fighting? Oh, man, I love that question. Because, you know, when I started fight the dad bod, I'd love to share the story of that in a moment if I could. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it would point to my reasoning and my definition of what it is. And I think at first, I was like, yeah, the dad bod is this body where a guy wants to be fit, but he may be a little soft in the midsection. And and that's like the outward aesthetic piece of the term dad bod that we think of. But I really started to experience things in my own life that got me thinking about the dad bod as a persona, the dad bod as not only the physical form, but the mental form, the emotional form, the spiritual form, and how guys were struggling in so many areas and how the outward appearance was just one indicator of how men were suffering right now. And yeah, I, I can share a little bit of how this happened. You know, I'm a ex-collegiate athlete. I played, you know, college basketball and it was such an awesome experience for me. And I'd always been really, I would call addicted to fitness. I was addicted to fitness. I was addicted to this aesthetic. I was addicted to performance. And I finished my eligibility like every athlete does in their early 20s and went on to struggle with identifying who I was as a, as a young man. I still say, you know, 20s to 30s as a young man. You can tell how old I am now by saying that. But as a young man, who I was. And people always thought of me as Cam the fit guy. And I was like, I have to be that. I have to be that guy. I have to be shredded all the time. You know, I have to walk around. I'm 6'5", six, I'm six, just a little over. And I got to be like 6'5", 230 shredded. That's what I need to be. And I did everything I could to do that. I deprived my body of the fuel that it needed. I ate these, you know, these anabolic diets that a bodybuilder would use going on stage. I'd never been on stage. I was just following these plans so I could look a certain way because I was like, oh, I'm heading to the beach. I'm 26 years old. I want to head to the beach and look really good. The, the byproduct of this was I developed a really unhealthy relationship with food, really unhealthy to the point all I was eating was chicken, rice, carrots, maybe a little broccoli once in a while. And I say that and people are like, oh, no, that wasn't. No, it seriously was. And if you don't believe me, reach out to my wife and she'll tell you because we were dating at the time and she's like, you need to stop this. You're angry. We said hangry, but you're, you're always hungry. You're angry. You're irritable. Like something's got to change here. And Kim and I had been dating for about three, four years at that point. And yeah, I, I needed to change. I was unhealthy. And so fast forward a little bit, Kim and I get married. Thank goodness. And you know, God blessed me with a beautiful, amazing woman in my life that helped turn me around in multiple areas. And this was one of them. I said, we got to get you. We got to get you right. And so my wife was just also an ex-athlete, uh, not addicted to fitness, but doing it in a healthy way and challenged me to you know, improve my relationship with food. And so I found uh, a mentor. I got coaching. I got this man named Mark McDonald, who stepped into my life and said, man, we got to get you straight here. You're like, you're a young dad now. You got, uh, at that point, my daughter Maya was born in 2012. And after she was born, I, I was a first time parent. And for all the guys out there who might be, you know, expecting or are hoping to be expecting in the next while that uh, 
ex-collegiate athlete who was addicted to fitness, whose wife was also fit and going, we're going to the gym five, six times a week. And I was, oh, no, it'll be all good. We'll just like the baby will come in and they'll just fit into our lifestyle. Man, that could not be any more from the truth. Like everything changed, less sleep, more stress, this unknowing of what to expect. And it led to, you know, grab and go fast food meals and stress causes, we, we know stress rising cortisol levels affects body weight. And for a guy with a negative relationship with food, with a guy with a really poor, if you haven't figured out by now, I had a really poor self-image problem and a self-identity problem of who I really was. And I struggled. And the eight months after Maya was born, I put on 25 unhealthy pounds. And I went into, I wouldn't say depression because I know people who are clinically depressed and I don't want to um, stigmatize that. I think that's a really important thing to address. But I felt that way. I was in a, I was a low spot, man. I was in a really low spot. I was a professional. I was an assistant principal at elementary school. Uh, struggling in my marriage, struggling to be a brand new dad, struggling to balance my health. And uh, yeah, man, I, I did everything I could again to lose that weight. And I struggled. I wasn't sleeping. I started starving myself just to get this aesthetic again. And those things that I used to do, deprive my body of the fuel it needs, fast, not, not eat for long periods of time and not in a healthy way. Like we know people do different plans right now, but I was doing it unhealthy. And I managed to lose the weight until Braylon, my son, was born in 2014. And after he was born, Bray came along. I'm a dad of two, these amazing gifts from God. And I just didn't have the energy to be for their, them, there for them. Uh, at that point, still an administrator, uh, elementary school, finishing my master's degree, newborn, two-year-old, struggling with my health, another low spot. And that's when I actually met Mark. It was 2015, and he taught me how to feel my body right. And so I did. And over the next eight months, transformed my body, started having more energy, felt more present. I could be the dad I wanted to be. I felt that I had more, there was a higher level of intimacy with my wife. I had a better emotion, more spiritual health. And I was like, man, I got to teach other guys to do this. And this is the ironic part about this. And, I, and stop me if I'm rambling, interject any time, but uh, I, love, I love basketball. And so I was playing in a men's league. And it was about this time that uh, the ironic part, I was in a bar having a beer and nachos with the guys after a men's league game. And one of my buddies who I played college with back in the day, he's like, well, I'm just going to give in to the dad bod and kind of pats his gut. And I'm like, man, F the dad bod. Um, and I was like, wait a second, dad bod, that's catchy. But I didn't want to be offensive. In that moment in the bar, after a couple of beers, I was offensive, but I didn't want to be offensive. So I went home and my brain just started spinning. I was like, well, fight the dad bod. And so I, boom, I went out, like all the Instagram, like social media accounts at the time, the domains, everything, fight the dad bod, fight the dad bod. I didn't really know what it was going to be. So I just, I started branding shirts that were hashtag F the dad bod on them and sending them out to all my friends and uh, just started sharing stories about how as a dad, two young kids, we were able to do this, live this way, eat this way, feel better. And that's where fight the dad bod was born. And it was more out of a feeling. Um, I'm very conscious of not body shaming people because of the unhealthy relationship I had with food and also the self-image issues that I had. So, man, that's kind of the story of it. I, uh, I feel like I ramble, Frank. Like you no, can brother, just... that's, that, no, that's all good, man. I, that, that gave us a lot that we can kind of chew on here for the next, you know, 50 minutes or so. I mean, I resonate a lot with, you know, the identity of an athlete. Uh, you know, as a bodybuilder, you know, I definitely gave myself body dysmorphia through my 20s. And it's still things that I'm kind of unpacking and working through here as I'm going to be turning 40 later this year and it's like damn like all that work like i look back and these are definitely things i want to i want to get your opinion on but i want to circle back here because what i ultimately heard you say is the dad bod the physique part is just a small portion of an identity that a man Absolutely. begins to hold to correct like that's kind of what correct. you were getting to is like this I, this dad bod becomes more this negative identity that we almost accept with ourselves so if the body is just one part of what the identity of a dad bod is what are some of the internal pieces that are paired with that yeah when i think internal i think of mental health as well so when okay. we we look at the body part of this so and this is this was a growth process for me like i am committed to growing and learning from other people i love interactions like we're having here and picking up from uh the men that i get to interact with when i started fight the dad bot it was just like the story thing and people reached out to me and say hey do you coach people and i was like no no i don't and he's like well wait a second i could like if i'm called to do this i'm called to do this and so i started helping guys and lives lots of now I've had thousands of conversations with men one-on-one -on -one and 
they came in for the aesthetic. They came in for the weight loss. They came in for the belly, the, you know, I want, I want bigger arms, like whatever it is, like they came in for that. But in our one-to-one conversations, I started to realize guys were struggling. They were struggling with the health issues like sleep, exercise, nutrition, water, vitamins and minerals, that type of stuff that the five pillars, which we focus on. But they began to express to me how they were really struggling through, man, I don't feel like I'm present with my wife right now. Man, I get home from work. I just want energy to cut the grass. I want to be able to do stuff around the house when I get home from work. My son is nine years. I, I have an eight-year-old son right now. I was telling you just before, like I just body slammed him on the bed for a little while having a little wrestle session. But guys want to do that. They want to be present. They want to get down on their knees on the floor and play Galego in cars. And when you get to the end of a long day, they just didn't have the energy and they felt they were letting their families down. And when you feel like you're letting people down because guys are, I'm all in or nothing. I got to be this guy. And we have these, these images in our head we aspire to. When we aren't measuring up in our own minds, it impacts our health, our mental health, our physical health, our spiritual health. We start to distance ourselves from God, start to distance ourselves from our friends, from our spouses. We dive into other vices and things that we're struggling with, right? And so that's what I began to see is just this, this picture of what fighting the dad bod, quote unquote, really meant. No, that's great, man. Um, circling back to, to your story here a little bit, I'm curious if, if you'd be open with sharing. I mean, you mentioned, you know, 6'5", stud of a guy, athlete, probably Duncan, right? You know, just kind of jumping out of the jumping out of the gym. Great looking guy. I mean, chisel jaw. Like, I mean, hopefully you guys can see the video here. Like, I, I thought Frank Rich was handsome. I'm looking at Cam, just incredible, just, just strong, right? Where did some of that insecurity, where's that rooted for you? Not knowing where I belong. Not knowing where I belong. Uh, Expand yeah, on gr- Yeah, man. Growing up, grew up in a larger center until I was about 12, 13 years old. I uh, grew up in a place called Calgary, Alberta. And now it's about 1.8 million, 1.6 million, somewhere in there. At that time, it wasn't that big. It was a big city, though. Uh, we... You know, my, I love, man, my mom and dad, like, I just love them. And my mom passed in 2015, so I, but she played such an important part in my life. My dad played an important part in my life in different ways. Uh, I've shared lots on, you know, my podcast and interviews how, like, my dad wasn't always there, but I knew he, he loved me because he worked so hard for our family. And my family struggled. And so many of us, I think, who are doing this work now, who are speaking to men, came from backgrounds where maybe our families didn't have the wealth, the financial means, and they struggled a little bit. And we got to see what our families went through and it inspired us to do more. And so we moved to this small town for financial reasons, more or less, out of the city. And I moved from this big center where I wanted to play football and all these things as a kid growing up to an acreage in the middle of the country, 25 minutes away from the the next town. And I did not fit in. And so I think it's grade six, grade six, halfway through, we moved there. Grade six through 10, I struggled making friends. I was made fun of. I was a city kid. You know, you know, you said people could look at this now. What you don't see is my brothers and I, we joke about team satellite is the ears underneath the headphones right now. But when I was a kid, like I got called things like monkey man and all these things that people made fun of me because I was different. I just was. I came in. I wasn't dressed like them. I didn't have a belt buckle or boots or anything like that. Uh, I was a city kid. And so I didn't really belong there. What I did have is athletic ability. And so the only place I found that I belonged was when we started playing volleyball or basketball or street hockey or shinny on the rink because, well, I'm Canadian, eh? So playing shinny ice hockey in the winter and, and I started to see a place where I could excel. And I was like, oh, wait a second. I'm better than these guys at this. Like I'm better than them at this. And I wasn't better than anybody. I wasn't like the smartest kid. I struggled in school. But I found a place where I was like, people were looking at me as an area of strength. And so, you know, I get into university, I end up, you know, making it onto a college team, um, got to go there, scholarship, didn't know what I wanted to do. I found myself in college not knowing what I wanted to do and never really connected with people that weren't on my team. And for me, it was something that you get thrown in in the preseason and all of a sudden there's 14 guys around you, you have no choice but to be friends with. Honestly, Frank, I look back, if I didn't play sport, I would have no friends in university because I was an introvert. I'm an introvert that works to be extroverted. And I just never really like, I tried all the things, man, to, to fit in. Like I came out of a, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home with loving parents. Uh, everybody has their struggles. I'm not going to lie. We had struggles in our family, but you know, that was my background. And I get into this larger center, urban environment, uh, it was all new to me. And I tried everything to fit in. 
know, started hitting the clubs, you know, the drinking, whatever have you. And so, and it wasn't me. It, it never felt comfortable. It never felt me. And I, this is something still I struggle with as a 42-year-old man is where do I fit in? Where do I struggle? And I think this is something that knowing this about myself now, I can look in reflection of my late 20s and why I had no confidence. And people would look at me and be like, dude, look at you, man. You look great. And the only way I could explain it is like, I looked great, but I felt terrible. Like I was like, I was doing it for other people. I wasn't doing it for myself. I was looking for approval, maybe approval based on what I didn't get when I was a teenager. Uh, maybe it was a little bit of arrogance and ego. Say, hey, look at me now. Like a lot of the, the shallow, like, oh, I hope, like, look at me now. I hope I bump into so-and-so that I haven't seen in four years. Man, I struggle with that. And then I'll circle back to this because it's important. My, my wife, my wife helped me change that perspective of myself. And she showed me that I had a purpose. Like when I met Kim, I was like, I remember my mom, my mom said to me, I dated Kim for eight years before we got married. And Kim would have got married before that, I think. Uh, I remember my mom pulling me aside. And my mom said, Kim, you got, okay, it's time. She was mad at me. You, need to, you either need to marry this girl, you need to let her go. Because this is what I've seen she's done in your life over the last eight years. And if you can't see it, you're a fool. You need to let her go. Okay, mom. And you know, so a, a year later, uh, yeah, Kim and I got married. And, and uh, yeah, man, it's cool. But I think that lack of confidence came from just a series of events in my life where I never really felt like I fit in. And I was always looking for the approval of others. Yeah, no, I resonate. I resonate a lot with that. And I think, you know, the vast majority of the audience will kind of know, you know, my, my story of, you know, being kind of that. So I was the opposite. You know, I was, I was an athlete growing up, but uh, a little bit on the heavier side. I mean, I remember literally having to buy jeans in what back then was called a Husky department. Like you would go into these department stores and there'd be a, a special place within the store where there were jeans that were made for fat kids or overweight kids. And I remember how that made me feel. It's like, why can't I wear the regular pants that regular kids wear? Like, why do I have to wear the kids, the jeans that are made for, for fat kids? Um, and that kind of became my identity back then. It's like, okay, well, I'm like, I'm a little bit overweight. I mean, I remember even in high school, it's like some of the boys on the baseball team, like would call me fat Frank. I wasn't obese. I mean, I was, I was a great athlete. I just carried a little bit of extra weight. And I think it was a lot of like, just lack of understanding education around nutrition and kind of ate, ate we within our home. So when I got into fitness and bodybuilding and training around 18, 19 years old, it's like that became my identity, right? It's like, now I have an ability to change and people will now respect me for the way that I look. But just like you, man, I became addicted to the cooler. I became addicted to six meals a day. I mean, there was a point in my corporate career where I ate on a clock. I would be on a call with potential clients. And if the clock went off, I'd say, hey, I got another meeting I had to run to right quick. I'm going to call you back. And really, the meeting was with me in the it was microwave. Your Ziploc container. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but looking back at that, man, obviously, I see some destructive tendencies within there. But mm -hmm. I also have seen how maybe some of that, I've been able to apply that focus, discipline, work ethic to create good things, both in business and then in other endeavors in my life. So I'm curious with you, like looking back at some of this, is there any good for you that has come out of that? And how do you kind of navigate that, right? Man, it's all good. It's all good. If you, if, if I am truly committed to grow and I'm truly committed to like everything I do is, I know my why, I aim for growth and I take ownership over my journey. And if everything I do is through that lens and that filter, I can look back and maybe in the moment it's a little bit dirty. You know, when my mom got diagnosed with multiple myeloma and bone marrow cancer in 2002 and was given six months to live, I could look at that through bitterness and hate and I could do that. But then I can look at it as my mom passed away in 2015, 13 years later, and got to see marriages and grandkids and vacations to Hawaii and the whole jam. And I can be grateful for what I've experienced because it shaped me to who I am today. And I can look at the struggles that I've had as a teenager, the struggles that I've had as a young man, the struggles that I have now as a dad and as a husband, uh, as a friend, as a mentor, as a leader. I can look at all these struggles as a tool that says, hey, I'm going through this and someone else doesn't have to because I can then speak into their life and just share a little perspective. And hopefully in some way I can inspire them, I can impact them and influence, make some type of influence in their life. So yeah, it's easy for me to say in reverse hindsight 2020 that, yeah, it's all good, but it wasn't good in the time. I'm not going to lie to you. There's lots of ups and downs, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. Uh, but looking back, I can also see there was a purpose here. There's a greater calling here. And if I truly believe that, I can't be, I can't be bitter. I can't be disappointed in what I've experienced. Yeah, yeah, no, I want to, well, obviously I want to get back to, to the dad stuff here, but maybe speaking to the younger men out there, right? You know, I mentioned at the beginning, like we have a good percentage of our audience that is younger guys within their 20s 
you know, single through life, really trying to find, find their ways. What, what advice to, to those guys? Like, should they, do they do the six meals a day? Do they, how, how should they begin to kind of structure their life when, like when the focus is on the development of me and I don't yet have the responsibility of other people? Yeah. Well, well, I just mentioned three things that I use as a filter, know your why, aim for growth, take ownership. Like my little motto that I use for myself and, and other people can use that, but there is something that you need to know before that. You need to know yourself. You need to know yourself. You need to know what your values are. Like what are your values? And then what are your priorities? And if your priorities aren't in alignment with what you value, you're going to struggle. So if you're a young man right now, and I think that, you know, yeah, I don't think I'm that old, but if there's a guy 25 listening to this right now, I'm 17 years older than that guy. And, and, and I want to use my experience to help encourage you out there right now. If you're struggling, you're listening to Frank's podcast, which by the way, props on you because this is the right place to be is listening to this podcast. If you're struggling right now, know yourself. And if you can't know yourself, if you don't know who you truly are, lean into a mentor, lean into someone you can trust, someone who cares about you, but will also be honest with you. Because honesty, although sometimes it's hard and it hits you in the face, honesty can also help you grow. And there's no growth without pain. But you think about the gym, right? We know this. We tear apart, tear apart muscle and we feel the soreness. And then as our muscle rests and it recovers, it grows. And we get stronger. We get bigger. We can see the change. Man, life is the same way. You're going to go through stresses. It's going to tear you apart. There's going to be times where you feel the soreness. It's times where you feel that you're being knocked down and you can't win or something. It is always against you. Just keep going through because through mentorship, through connection, through belonging, you'll have time to rest and recover. It's going to make you stronger through it. So stick with it. Reach out. Yeah, no, I love those. I love those three pillars. Know your why, aim for growth, take, take ownership to, to a young man or even an older man. I mean, a guy in his 60s could maybe be struggling with what is my why? What is my purpose at this stage within my life? What are some questions that a guy can ask himself to begin to find out what his why is? Yeah. What is your ambition. What is my ambition? What do I, not do I want to, what do I want to do? Because when you do something, a lot of people say, what do I want to do for work? I, I don't know who said this, but I love it. It says work is something you do for other people. Okay. Your calling is something you do for yourself. So what is my ambition? What is my calling? What do I feel that I'm really being called to do? What am I really good at that can impact the lives of others? How can I speak into the lives of others? Because if you look through the lens of servant leadership, like, how can I serve others? You will find more fulfillment in that than you ever will chasing your own, quote unquote, smart goals. Okay. So right now, if you want to know your why, you need to get clear on first your values and what you prioritize. But know your why, like, what is my calling? And the why am I doing this? What does it really accomplish? What does it accomplish for me? What impact can I make? What influence will it have? If I got hit by a train tomorrow, will it, uh, maybe a graphic example, but you know, if I get hit by, what, what legacy am I leaving? When I was 25, I didn't think of the word legacy. I never did. I'm, I'm, when I turned 40, you know, even younger, when my daughter was born, when my son was born, I started thinking, well, what legacy am I, like what impact and influence am I having? So to get clear on your why, you kind of have to go on a self journey. And sometimes in that self journey, a little bit of outside input always helps. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great. I love that. I love that quote. Work is what you do for other people. Your, your passion is what you do. Your purpose is what you do for your, for, for yourself. That's, that's great. Getting back to the, the dads, you mentioned these guys come in, you know, it's kind of this, this dad bot thing. It like starts with the physical, right? And they want to get the bigger biceps. They want to get the, the, the six back abs, maybe lose a little bit of weight. Maybe it's not all about the aesthetics. Maybe it's like, it's wanting to get a little bit stronger because I want to be able to body slam my eight year old on the, on, on the bed. Right. Once a guy begins to take control of his fitness, how is that carrying over into his relationships, into his business, into his service within his community? Like what's the spillover effect into every area of a guy's life? And there's something that happens when you take care of yourself physically that I, you can only explain it once you've done it. And so there's guys like just starting to take care of their health. They're like, oh, this is so hard work. And it's like getting up to go to the gym in the morning. If you're not a morning, I'm not a morning person. But right now I'm working out in the mornings and I trudge out of bed at 430 in the morning to get myself into the gym because it's important to me, not because getting to the gym is important to me. But because I know now, after 20 years of experience doing this, how I will feel coming out of it and how I will feel and how I feel about myself, how I feel about my body, the self-image that I have that, hey, I am healthy, I am strong, I am beautiful, I am worth it, helps me when I get into my first conversation of the day 
and will lead through all the other conversations day. So whether that's a embrace with my wife when I get back in the morning, whether it's waking up the kids, whether it's a conflict that I face during the day with a team member or somebody that I have to navigate through a leadership conversation, you know, how you take care of yourself physically impacts your spiritual health, your emotional health, your mental health, and your well-being. Uh, I, I work with a lot of guys who are professionals, like high-end professionals doing a lot of successful work, right? Uh, these successful guys, and they're like, man, I am just way more productive now that I'm in shape. Now, I'm not in physical shape, but I just feel good. I haven't lost the 20 pounds yet, but I feel much better. I'm more alert at work. I can dive in. I'm more purposeful. Like Everything I'm doing is with a purpose. And so if you're clear on your purpose, you're clear on your why, and you know that there is an outcome for this. I'm not just doing it arbitrarily for the beach because honestly, it may be a good goal for the next two weeks, but it's not going to hold you long term. You got to have a purpose and being intentional with that purpose when you get take care of yourself physically. And now you start to see the benefits of this happening through different areas your, of your life and the people you interact with and people around you will notice a difference too. Yeah, absolutely. Speak to the importance of you know, the dad, the father, the, you know, the provider within the house, really the one that's oh, kind yeah. of setting the tone for, for the family to prioritize his health and how that's impacting the kids that are being, being raised within a home. Yeah, absolutely. There's research that suggests that even before your child is born, if the, the father and the mother are engaged in physical activity, they take care of themselves, it will actually transform their DNA, it change, transforms the genetics so that when you have a child, that child is not predestined, that's the wrong thing to say it, but may have an affinity to do that when they grow older. And the most impressionable times of a human being's life are between the age like zero when they're born and five years old. And so we've seen this with research with ADHD. We've seen this with attention, uh, with attention and behavior issues. We've seen this with physical ailments. We've seen this with health. Is that when you're around youth, your children, in that period of time, they are watching, they are absorbing. And what you are doing in the home, whether you're eating together, eating the same foods together, you're active together, you're hiking, you're biking, you're doing those things, you are changing the chemical balance in their brain and the neural connections in their brain so that they start to prioritize what's important. And they just know this as not as something, this is just what we do. I remember Braylon, when he was four years old, we live about 60 minutes from the Rocky Mountains. Beautiful. We hike, we play, we ski, we do all the things there. And I remember downstairs in the basement, he was just like, he was just angry that day. He was not listening to his mom. I got home from work and I was like, buddy, what's happening? He said, we need to go on an adventure. Just, he shouted it at me. Like, what do you mean going on an adventure? We need to go to the mountains. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, we do, man. All right, we'll go. And you start to see how even in kids and how the human body develops, how just that out, time outdoors and being active together as a family sets that tone. Well, who sets the tone? The dad, the mom set the tone. And I think, honestly, there's nothing against moms. Like, moms, listen to this. You're super important. But I think as a dad, we have a responsibility. We have a unique role in the home to be the one that sets an example. And let's go back to that word of legacy, right? Leaving a legacy of this is what's important. God, that's amazing, man. It's like it becomes a standard at which this is just what our family does. I'm sure you've experienced this now. You know, you mentioned 20 plus years kind of in, in the gym and in fitness. It's like you probably almost feel like Training is almost like breathing, right? It's like, it's just, it literally is a part of, it's a part of the day. And like, if you don't do it, you're like, something's off today. Oh, I've, I, 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 so many calls. I didn't get a chance to go to the gym. Like, so that's amazing. And it's like ingraining that in from such a young age. It's like, you're teaching all just the positive and productive and valuable habits. You mentioned that it wasn't until you met Mark that you really learned how to eat and fuel your body. What were some of the things that Mark taught you that you've now applied into the fight, the dad bod coaching? Yeah, the biggest thing Mark taught me was blood sugar stabilization, how our body, when it's in homeostasis and our blood sugar is stabilized, how we're accessing stored fat as energy and we're building lean muscle. And it was as simple as that. And I was like, okay, tell me more about this uh, blood sugar stabilization. And so, and Mark had written a book, it's a New York Times bestseller called Body Confidence. And then he wrote another one called How Kids Make You Fat and How to Get Your Body Back, which my wife and I helped do a launch here in, in Canada. And actually the, the, the practices that Mark laid out in that book, How Kids Make Fat and How to Get Your Body Back, are the exact same ones that he outlined for me. And so, you know, blood sugar stabilization. He, he says PFC every three. So proteins, fats, carbohydrates every three to four hours. Yeah, people are like, oh, the five to six meal a day thing again. Well, the science suggests that when you do that, your blood sugar levels are stable. 
and different people have different goals. And there's people out there who are following different programs, plans. I don't like the word diet because I think the diet comes from the word deprivation in my head. You like depriving yourself of what your body needs. But he just taught me how to fuel my body in an efficient way, a way that worked for me and worked for my family. Because I can sit at the table and have dinner together and everyone at the table is eating the same thing. Everyone. Proteins, fats, carbohydrates, balanced in the right balance so that we have stable blood sugar and so that I know that my body's accessing stored fat as energy and building lean muscle. And we did, you think about an infant, you know, when an infant is born, I think about my kids and, you know, they feed on breast milk or formula every two to three hours. And man, it's every, every two to three hours, right? And so you're there to support and, but mom's breastfeeding or given formula. Well, you think about, you think, think about that. It's, it's a balance of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, right? Every two to three hours, the human body, that's, that's what it performs on. And so when you find for yourself, whether is it two hours, is it two and a half, is it four hours that my body is? Because everybody's metabolism is different, but you start to find out, hey, where do I feel my best? When is my body in balance? And that, that's what Mark taught me. And that's what transformed my life, got me the, I would say, lifelong results and transformed not only my relationship with food, but my lifestyle. It provided a lifestyle opportunity for me that I could set a standard and a model for my kids. I could model for other men and that I know that gives us the energy and the ability to do all the things that we love to do together. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, body Confidence and How Kids Make You Fat and How to Get Your Body Back. Those are the two books that you mentioned. The two Mark, books that, yeah, Mark yeah, yeah. Wrote. Guys, we'll make sure to get those plugged down in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, it'll be down in the description box there below. Speak to how your training has changed, you know, from, you know, being, you know, being a collegiate athlete, I'm sure it's, you know, maybe two a days, you're maybe hitting the weights in the morning and then oh, you have yeah. physical practice in the afternoon. How has it been different for you now with the family, with the businesses, with everything you're doing? I'm assuming you just don't have the time to, to train at the level that you did back then. That's, and my body doesn't respond like it used to. You know, when I was in my twenties, I could train, I could train every day of the week if I wanted to and separate the body groups and do that. And make sure I'm not overtraining, but giving proper rest time and on days off. You have it. Like my body responded so quickly when I was in my twenties, like 22 to 30, I got the strongest that I probably ever had been. I, I, I joke that I didn't have dad strength yet. Dad strength's a whole new level, but you know, when you, I, my body just responded really well. Uh, everybody's like, Oh, I remember turning 30 and everybody's like, Oh, you're 30 now, man. 30 was nothing. Like I was, I was feeling awesome. Uh, at 30. I was feeling awesome at 35. Around 38, started to slow down a bit. I realized that my body wouldn't respond like it did. I couldn't do five days a week. Uh, now as a 42-year-old, um, I train like full body three days a week. I'm in the pool two days a week. I'm riding my bike with the kids. I ski on Sundays. We play soccer. I play men's league basketball. Like You start to realize how fitness can fit into your lifestyle. It doesn't have to be you mentioned time. Okay. Can I address the, a lot of guys will say, I don't have the time. Well, you have the time for what you prioritize. And so if you aren't prioritizing it, you're not going to have the time, but if you can, if you, it's a priority, you will create the time in your schedule, daily schedule, weekly schedule to make it work. So that's why this guy you're speaking to right now, I hated getting up in the morning. I remember being in college university, scheduling no classes that started before 11 AM. Like I've never been a morning guy. And it's this mindset, like, I'm not that person. Well, now I am because I had to create the time. And now it's like nothing for me to get up at 4.30 in the morning. Now I go to bed early. Like I used to be a night owl. Man, I'm in bed early now, 9 o'clock, 9.30. But what else am I doing after 9 o'clock, 9.30 that matters, right? If I prioritize my workout, I know that's when I need to get it in. So, yeah, your schedule will change, you know, as you go through the different stages. But your body changes too. And here's the thing, though. Your body will change but your nutritional practices can stay the same. You can still get the same results. It's just your body's metabolism will respond differently to what you're doing to it, that external stimulus, that load, that pressure that you're putting it under. Yeah. It's so important for, I think, you know, people, men, you know, to understand how, how those statements that we say of ourselves is what ultimately shapes our identity, right? You know, there's been, there's been many that, you, that I've heard you share. You know, I was an introvert. You know, I was never a morning person. I was, you know, I'm not a night owl anymore. It's like, Every single one of those I am or I am not begins to shape our subconscious identity of how we see ourselves. So if you say I am the person that prioritized my health because I put it in my calendar, like for me, my workout is in my calendar because you show me your calendar, I'm sh I'll show you what you prioritize. So for me, 
five days a week, it's in there. Boom. Between, you know, somewhere between 11 and 12 and, and 2 PM, like depending upon the day and what I have going on, like I'm going to take a break an hour, drive to the gym, get my workout in. So, um, but it's important to under, understand that what other parts of a guy's life. I mean, we've talked about nutrition. We've talked about training. You briefly touched on sleep for you. What are the other, you know, I think you mentioned there's five pillars within your program. Yeah. Can you walk us through what those sleep five are? Yeah, sleep is always number one. If you're not getting enough sleep, enough recovery, you're not going to get the results that you want to see. Um, more important than training and nutrition. More, more important than training and nutrition. You can train and you can have good nutrition, but if you're not sleeping, like think about your body. Your body metabolizes while you sleep. Your body recovers while you sleep. We know that neural pathways are connected and repaired while you sleep. We know that muscle recovers while you sleep. If you're, if you're not getting enough, you will not get the most out of your workouts. You will not get the most out of your metabolism, how your body is using food as fuel. It will impact everything. So I always, like we start with sleep, have guys track their sleep. We get the ideal number. Our, everybody's different. Like we think about sleep cycles and you know, typically a full sleep cycle, the average would be 90 minutes. It's not exactly 90 minutes. You can't set your clock to it. But somebody might say, well, I, I slept seven and a half hours and I feel way off. But I, feel, I slept seven hours and 15 minutes. I feel fantastic. Well, you think 15 minutes in a 90-minute cycle is like, are you in REM sleep or are you not? Like, so sleep is always number one. Then we talk about nutrition because you can't outwork a bad nutrition program or protocols and then exercise. And then we talk about water. Water intake is huge. Um, I drink water all the time. And then vitamins and minerals. Like, are you getting what you need from the foods that you eat? And if you're not, we can talk about supplementation. But those are the five things we dive into. Yeah, that's fantastic. I want to I want to dive into sleep here a little bit. And for the water piece, guys, if you haven't, make sure to go check out the episode two episodes ago with Mario Branovich from Analima talking about structured water. I don't know if you've into this structured water thing. Amazing what the work that they're doing over there at Analima. Um, but talk about sleep. You know, um, what are some 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 small practice? One thing we like to do here, right, is obviously we share the stories. We kind of get the highlight. We kind of go back and forth here. But when we can find something, we can really kind of zero in on. It's like, okay, let's go there and let's kind of give some actionable tips. What are some strategies and, and tactics that a guy can begin to optimize environment, timing, all of these things? Walk us through uh, uh, an optimized sleep protocol. Love it. You just mentioned two of them. First, environment and timing. Let's talk about timing. As hard as it is to do, you mentioned in your calendar, what you calendar is what you prioritize. You know, I think you and I have a mutual connection, Craig Ballantyne. And so Craig always is to say, like, set your reverse alarms. And so it, you want to be able to go to the like evening go to bed at the same time every day, wake up at the same time every day, the best that you can. And I mean like every day. People are like, oh, it's Saturday, I like to sleep in. No, get your butt out of bed, program your body. Just think about how much more productive you're going to be, how much better you're going to feel if you don't oversleep because you can't oversleep. So go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time. Make that a name. And if it can't be exactly the same time, aim for like a half hour window where you have some consistency. So timing is key. Uh, environment is key. One of the things that I really struggled with a long time is being on that, my device. And it wasn't like scrolling TikTok or Reels or whatever, which a lot of people are doing now. It was watching videos. I love YouTube videos. I love videos like the ones that you put out on YouTube. And I just like love to learn from people. But I would get sucked in and I would watch like 30, 40 minute YouTube video. But that blue light from the phone impacts your brain and you don't get sleep that you need. So, no, so turn off the device an hour before bed, read a book instead, or even better yet, you have a significant other, how about you just sit down, talk to each other, connect, and finish your day that way by being present? Because when you're with, present with others, you feel that they're being present with you. And so, uh, yeah, dark environment, quiet environment, no devices, no blue light, read before bed. These are all things that can help you improve your sleep. And back to the water piece, if you hydrate during the day, uh, it will actually help you sleep better. Guys will be like, oh, I have to get up at night and go to the washroom all the time. Well, don't drink a liter of water right before bed, you know, taper off your water maybe later on the day, but the more your body's hydrated, the better you're going to sleep too. So yeah, those are just some of the, the quick, quick tips that I would recommend for guys right now, if you're struggling with sleep to do those things. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, speaking to the, the wife kind of partner, you know, spouse there, how important is it to, to get her on board? And what are some things that a guy can do if maybe the wife is a little bit resistant? Hey, like I'm, I'm kind of enjoying what we've been doing over here. Like, I mean, do you have any, 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 any tips there? Yeah, that, that's an interesting one because sometimes you will get pushback. Why are you doing this? Well, or a guy will try a new plan, right? 
I'm going to do this plan. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to have more energy. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to sleep more often. And this is what I want to implement. And the wife's like, okay, honey, I love you. Yeah, I support you. But in her head, she's like, yeah, I've seen you do this before. This will last three and a half weeks and then we'll be back to normal. You know, and so that's why I actually think an external mentor or coach is really important because your family members and the people closest to you care about you too much, to be honest with you all the time. And sometimes like the best feedback you can get is the hardest feedback to get. So, you know, with the wife, I think if you set a standard and you're clear on the purpose, you're clear on the why you're doing it, you can't say, yeah, I want to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to do these five things in the next two weeks. You say, you know what? I just feel like I'm not as present as I want to be with you. I feel that I'm not, I don't have the energy to do the things that we want to do at the end of the day. I feel that my body, I don't feel attracted. And I, I want you to be attracted to me. I want us to have more intimacy together. Like these are the things that I've been thinking about the last little while. And so I've decided to make some changes. And so the changes that I'm going to try is I'm going to try to go into bed at the same time every day. I want to spend more time with you the last hour before I fall asleep. And I want to be able to take care of my body so I can be more healthy and aware and in alignment with the intimacy piece. I want to feel attracted to you. And so here's the things I'm going to do. Like if you filter it through that and you filter your conversation through the why, what's she going to say? She's going to be like, oh, he loves me so much. Look at what he said. But really she'll be like, okay. And you are more likely to get supported through that than if you didn't. I'm going to give another example because there'll be young guys who are listening to this too who aren't married or maybe single dudes. And they'll be like, okay, Cam, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. I've worked with young single guys too, but it's like, okay, I'll do the PFC every three and I'm going to cut out coffee and alcohol for seven days just to give my body a break, right? And they'll go head to a, a social gathering. And instead, the, and their body's like, oh yeah, you're not drinking tonight or what? No coffee in the morning around the cooler at work type thing. Instead of saying, well, I'm not doing that right now, where it sounds like something's being done to you, well, I, my coach told me I can't do this right now. I'm not doing that right now. You need to say, yeah, I've chosen not to do that. I have this goal. This is why I'm doing it. And your friends will be like, oh, okay, cool. Good on you. And if they're good friends, man, they'll support you. They'll even hold you accountable. So on Friday, when you get to the weekend and you're like, you pick up that beer, or that drink or that cocktail, or whatever, like, hey, hold up, hold up. You told me on Thursday night that this is what you were doing. And they'll hold you accountable to that. Um, that's a really important piece. So lead with the why, lead with the purpose. That permeates to everything that I would teach, no matter in the different areas that I'm working with people. But if you lead with that, you'll get more support. No, I love that you touched on the, the friends there and the relationship thing. I mean, you know, I, I'll talk a lot about, you know, really what was the genesis of a lot of the transformation for me was the influence in the people that, you know, I was very fortunate to not surround myself with because I didn't intentionally do it. It, you know, it was by the grace of God. It's like I joined Vince's mastermind and the byproduct of that was getting connected with guys like Craig, guys like yourself. And then here locally, Dan, uh, Dan Long, Mike Westerdahl, Chris Wilson, all guys we've had on the show really transformed me because they saw more in me than I saw within myself. And if your friends are going to go against you improving yourself, you might want to look at getting some new friends. Absolutely. Yeah. Surround yourself with quality people quality people that you aspire to be, uh, maybe not be exactly like them, but you aspire to be similar to them, people that you see in a mentorship role and put yourself in a situation where you aren't the smartest person in the room or the most successful person in the room, but you're also not the tail end of the room. Like there are people that you can serve as well because we all have value. We all have an experience. We all have a perspective that is, that is valuable in some type of conversation. So you can walk into a room. I'm part of a mastermind right now. There's 150 something dudes in it and super successful business guys. And up until about two months ago, I was the only Canadian guy. So I'd walk into this mastermind group and I'd be like, wow, look at all these men who've done all these things. But they're just, they're just men who have done things. That's all. But they're human beings who have perspective and have experiences. And what I found is that maybe at first I had this little imposter system, syndrome that goes back to me not feeling like I belong, right? Like I shared. In a human conversation with them, like speaking into lives of guys because I have a background in health or a background in leadership development and a background in communication strategies, they're like, whoa, like I never thought about that before. Now I can walk out of there being like, man, I've learned a lot, but I can also be happy that I've been able to contribute too. So surround yourself with people that are going to impact your life, mentorship, 
but that you are also able to make an impact and influence others. Yeah, we had uh, we had Ryan Mickler on uh, from from Order of Men, and one thing that he said for all men, you know, whether or not you are a biological father, you should take on the fathering type of role. Whether it's mentoring a guy that's maybe a few steps behind you in business and fitness and relationships, or taking on a big brother role, or coaching a little league team. That was something I, you know, decided to do, you know, 18 months ago as I coached my nephew's little league team. And like, it felt so good to be out there with the boys. And I can walk through a supermarket and I'll hear coach Frank from like down the hall, like down the aisle. And it's like one of the kids that was on my team, like so incredible. I think all men need mentorship, but also need to be mentoring because you do have something to offer to others. And God, it feels so good when, when you can serve. Yeah, I man, service is such an important part. Being able, that's why we're here. We're here to serve others. We're here to, you know, be Christ-like and show others through what we do. And service is part of that. And I think, unfortunately, over the last, I would say, five years specifically, people have perverted service as into business, where it's like, I'm not going to give you my service unless you pay me. But there are times in your life where you're going to be face to face with somebody who just needs you, and you might know it, not know it. It might be on an airplane. It might be at the Little League game. It might be at the supermarket or a one-to-one coaching relationship where somebody needs you and they just need you to be present. They need you to speak into their life and you to be honest with them and care about them. So, no, I love it, man. Service is huge. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. Take a slight pivot here. You know, we've been talking a lot about the fighting, the dad bod, the coaching, all that kind of things that you're doing. Um, I know you've been doing that since 2017, 2018. Yeah, 2015. 2017. 15 to 17. Um, but more recently you launched a podcast and then a mastermind called dad's making, making a difference. Talk to us about the, uh, the, the origin story behind that. Okay. Well, this, I got to go back to like fight the dabble in those conversations I was having with guys and I saw they were struggling in these different areas. And I was like, well, why are guys struggling with it? It's like, what do guys need? And I felt I'm like, I'm not a counselor and I have no interest in like counseling people. Um, but I think conversations can sometimes be therapeutic. And so I was finding in coaching conversations, guys needed more than just fitness and nutrition. Like it was bringing them in, but they needed more. Uh, simultaneously, I joined this mastermind that I'm part of called ISI. And I, I joined it in 2000 and tail end of 2020, just after I was allowed to cross the border again. And uh, so what I saw in that and that what I saw modeled by these guys who were super successful is that they would come together like a band of brothers who would speak into the lives of other guys who came as go-givers, who came to give, not take. And I was like, well, guys need more. And then I started to connect with other men in the space I was in. Guys who had maybe a business that was oriented to serving fathers to like their client, we call it, say their ideal client avatar would be the father of two who does X, Y, Z, right? And maybe they were bloggers, they were podcast hosts, they had TV shows, they had businesses, and they were doing this. And I was like, man, these guys are all making a difference, but they're not really connected together. We need to create a space where these guys connect together. And because together, we will reach more men than we will ever reach on our own. And so that's where the idea for dads making a difference first came from. And I started like bringing these types of guys on the podcast. And then over the last, I'll be honest with you, right now, I'm, I'm struggling with this right now because I'm seeing a need in the space. And I just had a conversation, a great conversation with Larry Hagner, who has the dad edge. Um, I just had, had Larry a great conversation. Yeah. And Larry was on, I had Larry on the Dad's Making a Difference podcast just a, little, a few weeks ago. And I see what he did. And I'm like, man, I would aspire to do that. But I'm like, but is that who I'm called to be? Am I called to impact the lives of those guys? Because we are most powerfully positioned to serve the people we once were. And so right now, I'm looking at the dads making a difference. And I ran a beta group and it was amazing. And these guys are coaches who coach dads and stuff. I'm like, but is this who it's for? Or is it about guys who just want to be better dads? Guys who want to grow. And I say this in the DMD is like, we want you to grow in six areas, spiritually, physically, intellectually, financially, professionally, and personally. And phys- well, physically, personally. So we have these six pillars. All our conversations will circle on that. And if that is our filter, we can talk about anything else, but we can come back to challenge each other to grow so that we can be more present with our kids, live a fit, healthy, fulfilled life with their families, but also make an impact in the lives of others. Um, I do one-on-one coaching through that, business coaching, leadership coaching through a brand, impact to influence, because I think we can take our impact to influence others so that that influence spreads. And I'm on this mission myself. I have an ambition of making a difference in the life of at least one person a week. I don't know if I ever will. It could be this podcast that nobody, somebody that we never meet, Frank, could see this and it could make a difference in their life. That's enough. 
like if fight the dabod was to serve the one guy who's who lost 80 pounds and like completely you know transformed his life then that was enough like so i i just saw this this need i saw this this need for community this need for connection we're coming out of a two year period where we are in isolation and men were searching and men were struggling and facing these like i'm going to be honest facing these stigmas of there's a lot of guys with like the grow up hair, be a man, get out there and that type of stuff, masculinity, which there's, there's a place for that. And guys, some guys like that, but there's other ones where guys like, that's not really my jam. I just want to be better. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want to kick butt in my, my job and my profession in my business. I want to expand my, my calling and I'm going to expand my impact so I can do what I'm called to do, what I think God has me called to do. So right now, that's where dads make a difference came from. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And I, and I appreciate, uh, you know, the vulnerability there that, hey, I'm kind of been, you know, I've kind of been struggling and kind of figuring out what, what direction I'm going. I think sometimes, you know, we, we bring these guests on in the audience and people hear this and it's like, these guys got everything figured out. It's like, I've been going through a lot of kind of transitional things as well. Like, where am I going to kind of go? What direction am I going to take this thing? It's like, we're all just kind of navigating all, a lot of the same things that the audience is as well. And I think it's important to, to share that bit. But I also think it's important to understand that like we all have a voice and our voice, it may be for one person, it may be for one million, it may be for one billion. But if it does impact and change one person's life, then you're doing good. And you never know that one person may become the one that impacts a billion. And I think that is really what helped me in the beginning, you know, years of this podcast when numbers were a little bit low. It's like all I need is one person to hear this message, one person to hear each episode and begin to take action, begin to take change. And obviously we've grown and we've seen tremendous uh, success and obviously, you know, really feel like we're having a major, major impact in what we're doing here. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing to see that the traction that you're getting right now and the movement that's being created. And man, I love, I love following along. Yeah, that's awesome. I really, really, really appreciate that. Cam, this has been amazing, man. Uh, I, I appreciate everything that you've shared here today. Uh, tell us where guys can find you uh, if they're interested in the fight the dad bod where can they listen to podcasts? What's kind of on deck for you guys this year? We'll drive the conversation home with our last and final question here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Fight the dad bod is way to connect with me, fight the dadbod.com or message me on Instagram, Facebook at fight the dad bod. Uh, it's me. I think that's an important part is that that messaging piece is me. And so you're not going to get a team member through that. You're going to get me. And so I'd love to connect with you, even if you just need somebody to connect with, right. And have a couple questions. That's fine. Uh, so fight the dad bod and then dad's making a difference. The dad's making a difference podcast. It's everywhere. Just search dad's making a difference podcast. It's on every podcast platform you can think of. It's on YouTube. You can watch all our episodes and interviews there. And dmdmastermind.com is where you can find out more information about the DMD mastermind. Incredible guys. And yeah, we'll get all that plugged down. Make sure to check out Cam's podcast. He's had many of the same guests. He mentioned Larry and a handful of others. Josh, I know you've had Josh Cachadori on there as well. Uh, so we got all that stuff plugged down there in, in the show notes below. Uh, Cam, brother, we like to end every episode here with the same question. Obviously, the title of the show is called The Superman Life. For me, when I talk about living a superhuman life, it's really, it's a belief system. It's the way that I try to show up in the world every single day. And it's coming from the place as a man of faith. I do think that uh, there's a purpose and calling on every single one of our lives. Like God placed you on this earth at this time for a reason. But knowing and accepting that, in my opinion, is not enough. We must be very intentional about our growth about our delivering, about our service to helping other people. And that's how I kind of define living a superhuman life. But Mr. Cam Hall, how would you define living a superhuman life? I think living a superhuman life, and I'll challenge myself on this as I'm challenging the guys who are listening, as a super, superhuman life is a life where you can go beyond the borders you've set for yourself, which means am I doing what I can do just because I can do it? Or am I doing what I'm meant to be doing? Am I fulfilling a calling? Am I, is the work that I'm doing for other people, am I doing something for other people that has a greater purpose? And I challenge myself with that every day. I pray every morning, please let my, my steps today and my actions today and my conversations today, you know, put forth your purpose and show you through me and let me fulfill my calling, you know, guide me to that. So it's superhuman life. Don't be bound by the borders of what you've set for yourself, but expand beyond those and make an impact in the lives of others. God, that's beautiful, brother. Cam, this has been an incredible conversation. Guys, check out Cam's stuff. Download the podcast. Uh, and if you're getting value out of this, guys, we ask you every single week here, right? We've really talked about this growth that we've seen over the last couple of months. 
And it's all because of you guys. It's all because you're listening, because you're sharing this, and because you're leaving those five-star rating and written reviews. If you haven't taken the time yet to do that, please drop us a rating and written review. And more importantly, if there's a guy in your life, maybe he's a father that's kind of struggling with finding his identity in this world, or maybe it is that young man that like aspires to be that incredible father one day. He needs to hear this conversation. Do us a favor and do him the blessing by sharing today's conversation with Cam Hall with him. But uh, as we end up here today, guys, we love you, and we'll see you next week.